What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is Good Morning Liberty. We are at Freedom Fest in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Nate, this is Charlie, and we are sitting down with LP presidential candidate, Chase Oliver. Chase, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks for having me, and uh, I always enjoy talking to libertarians, so yeah. uh, this is no different. Do you actually enjoy talking to libertarians, though? I mean, let's be honest. I'm a candidate for office, so I must answer you that I enjoy talking to libertarians at all times. Libertarians, of course, we all uh, do. Spoken like a true politician. So I want to get it out of the way at the first. So you're you're known for something that happened in, in Georgia in the last election cycle. And I want to talk about this idea of uh, voting for third party is a vote for whoever it is that you don't like. Insert the name. So you caused a runoff election, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And last year in the, the U.S. Senate race where uh, the, the duopoly candidates were Walker and Warnock, and I was the third party candidate. And based on our rules in Georgia, I kept them both under 50 percent of the vote. And that triggers a runoff. We're one of the few states that actually has these runoff rules. And uh, yeah. And so the voters got to go back again four weeks later and vote again. Uh, I was always an advocate of just doing it ranked choice style so we can have it done and it doesn't cost another tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money. But of course, the libertarian has the good idea and is ignored by the two-party system. So uh, that's kind of the way it goes. But yeah, it allowed voters to pick me as their first choice and not have to worry about a lesser of two evil spoiling. Yeah, so, so you're, sorry, so you're known as the spoiler. Yeah. What do, you, what do you have to say to the people who accuse you of that? Well, I like to say that I didn't spoil anything. First off, you can't spoil something that's already rotten, which is what the two-party state in D.C. is. So whether the Democrat or the Republican were elected, we were still going to get higher taxes, more spending, uh, and overall reduction in freedom. And so I felt like there's nothing, I can't spoil what's already bad. And, you know, with our particular runoff rules, the voters got to go back and have a chance again. So it wasn't like I beat the spread and caused one or the other to lose. And this is the advantage of ranked choice voting for voters because they can pick their first choice first and then worry about which is their least favorite flavor of duopoly second, you know? Okay. And so let's talk about the presidential race mm -hmm. now. Now, there are uh, several candidates that are in already, and we've talked with a, with a bunch of them. What I want to know are some of the core tenets of, of your campaign. And uh, I was talking to Mike about this yesterday. So uh, how are you different from, say, a Republican or Democrat for people that are listening? And then how are you different from the other LP candidates? Yeah, so libertarians broadly are different from the two-party system because our core root and our core thought of our philosophy is, is uh, as long as you're not harming another person, that you should not have the force, fraud, or coercion of government put upon you. And I think that is something that absolutely separates our political philosophy from the kind of amalaga, you know, this kind of floating out there political philosophies of Republicans and Democrats, which change with the political winds. Libertarians are constant. You kind of know where a libertarian is going to fall on most issues, uh, barring, you know, some details, right? What I think makes me uh, a great candidate for this particular election in 2024 and separates me is my messaging style has always been more positive, aspirational, empathic kind of uh, libertarian messaging. I'm not super academic. I don't tell people to go read 500-page tomes. I like to talk about kitchen table libertarian issues. I mean, we can get deep in the weeds of philosophy, but that's just not where the average voter is. And I think when we're going to have a candidate who is supposed to be our brand representative. They're broadly representing ourselves and marketing to all the people. Uh, we need to have somebody who's able to speak those values in a way that's maybe not very academic or kind of boring, frankly. I want to be exciting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Folks, it can be tough to know which direction to take in life. For example, you might think doing this podcast was an easy move, but it wasn't. It takes a willingness to work crazy hours, read people's differing opinions, and make, well, what you might expect a mid-level libertarian podcast to make. But what gets me through is knowing I'm being true to myself and my values. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, 
relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy has made a huge difference in my life, and co-host Charlie has used BetterHelp for years. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash G-M-L. <laughs> and so what are some of the main issues that, uh, that you're tackling? Like, what are you most concerned with? Oh, yeah. So, of course, there's always the kitchen table issues of the economy and inflation. And I think that is something that you're not going to get a lot of difference from us libertarians. We want to balance. We want to cut the ba- uh, budget. We want to balance it. We want to stop printing money out of thin air. But then there's a lot of range of issues that I think are really particular to millennials and Gen Z uh, voters. You know, we're the generation that's world. We're the generation that's had a hard time buying our first home because of the 2008 housing crisis. And Gen Z is now uh, upcoming as new voters. So we need to start talking about those issues that are that are very important to those voters' values, because that's what's going to lay, that's us planting the seeds for future harvest when they're the largest voting bloc in our country. So issues like, uh, you know, I talk a lot about unleashing the power of the green, uh, the green economy by getting government out of the way and allowing innovators to actually create the products in a market based system uh, and that I think that speaks very well to the environmental concerns. I talk a lot about educational freedom about uh, you know allowing parents to choose the school for their own children, eliminating the Department of Education, but even more so, I actually have a detailed plan about how to get us out of the student loan crisis that does not uh, increase the deficit or debt. It does not just give away loans to people who have taken out loans, and it gets government out of the business of the student loan business so market principals can lower the cost of higher education for those students who are in college now or are going to be in college in the future. What's the strategy to capture the folks who are fed up with the duopoly? I mean, it seems most voters are independent now, and it seems if you look at polling, they, they're not satisfied with either side. So how do we... how? How, what is the strategy to bring them into the camp of either the Libertarian Party or at least voting for a third party, even as a snub to the duopoly? Yeah, I think uh, part of that is you're going to actually have to show proof of concept. You actually have to be out and doing stuff. You have to be active because that's how you gain the trust of the voters. So if you're not actually getting on the streets, doing the grassroots effort of being an activist, they're never, ever going to trust our party or our movement. Uh, I use the cop city issue in Atlanta, which is where I'm from, as a big issue there. There's a referendum on the, that we're trying to get on the ballot right now to cancel a giant police militarization factory is essentially what cop city is going to be. <laughs> and right now I'm going out and I'm going and getting those signatures. I'm not on doors and trying to get that referendum on the ballot so the people can actually have a voice instead of the government when it comes to whether we're going to have this facility. We need more libertarians to be doing that. And as a candidate, I want to lead the way and, and lead by example and say, we're going to be out in the trenches. And that way, when voters see us, they've seen us before. They say, hey, I know that libertarian. He was in the room fighting against police militarization. I know that libertarian. He was fighting for a, a, a more fair immigration system and to open up our borders so that people can come here and work. I think those when you're the libertarian in the room, you gain their trust. And if you're the only libertarian when you walk in the room, if you do it right, you're not the only libertarian when you walk out of the room. I like that. I like that. That was good right there. Now, when it comes to the cop city thing, I wanted to ask, uh, so libertarians, uh, obviously we don't, we don't want the militarization of the police. But also means, uh, it doesn't mean that we support some of the protests or potential violence or anything that can happen. Um, now, I basically can't believe anything I've seen on social media, but if they're... Uh, 
has been violent protests uh, because of this cop city. Do we support that as libertarians or we want to go about it with this ballot? So I actually don't said. support, I don't support violence as a, as a means for social change. I think peaceful nonviolent resistance is the quickest and most sure way to freedom. It requires a lot of work to be done. But when you create violence, particularly around law enforcement issues, you actually bolster your opponents because they say, look at these people creating violence. We need more police. And so I think it's actually a net negative. Mm. Um, and it's not something that I advocate for. But what I will say is, um, you know, this facility it, it deserves to be opposed and it deserves to have libertarian voices opposing it. Um, but we don't have to agree with all the tactics that are out there. In fact, I speak out regularly against those tactics to say that they're counterproductive. Uh, and I want to be productive when we do this. So you know, violence is never the answer when it comes to doing this because, but I did say in my public speaking, you know, when people say, oh, we're aggressing against the police, we also have to remember at the same time, government aggresses against us every day. And so we have to take the high road and be peaceful, nonviolent resistors to break that chain and to break that cycle. Absolutely. It's take the, the opposite road. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which can be very difficult sometimes. Because, Taking the high road? Yeah. I yeah. call it the difficult but necessary path. Okay. Yeah. Extremely difficult, but very necessary. I want to know a little bit about, about you, like how you became a libertarian, if you were always a libertarian, or people love to give their libertarian origin story, however that happened. Oh, my what was your rebirth? <laughs> yeah, so my origin story is pretty, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. I got started in politics opposing wars, particularly the war in Iraq, because uh, I had friends that I graduated high school with that were getting sent there. And so by default, I was like, well, George Bush is the president, so I must be a Democrat and I'll mm. oppose him. Even though I was a fair tax Democrat, I was a pro-gun Democrat, I was a balanced the budget Democrat. Those used to be Democrat ideas, by the That's way. It's like some a hard those. right yeah. uh, person right, right now. Uh, yeah. And so now, uh, you know, and so as I was an anti-war activist, I fought to get Barack Obama elected because I thought he's better than this warmonger Hillary Clinton. And he says he's going to end the wars and close Gitmo and stop the drones. And he didn't do any of that and then got a Nobel Peace Prize for it. And so I started trying to organize my anti-war friends and I realized they weren't really anti-war. They were anti-Bush and they used the war as an excuse. And so I became politically like not involved for a little while until I found the Libertarian Party doing outreach at the Atlanta Gay Pride Festival. Uh, I just happen to be wandering around through there. I'm LGBT, so that's why I was there. But, uh, you know, I, I see the tent and John Mons, our candidate for governor, like literally waved me in the door. And, he, you know, he started talking to me. I was like, ah, I don't really know. He goes, well, what's your one biggest issue? And so I opposed the war on terror, you know, 100 percent. And he said, welcome home. And that's what brought <laughs> me to the party and got me involved. And since then, I've, I've gotten involved in my state. I've been a local affiliate chair. I've been a Senate candidate, congressional candidate and now presidential candidate. This party is my home because liberty is where it's at. How does it affect you to see some uh, the party fractionating? Uh, we we don't like it personally. I kind of wish everyone would get along uh, because we agree on almost everything. Uh, but it has been has it been tough to see so much infighting lately? Yeah, I think it's ultimately counterproductive. I think if we're, our focus is on how can we reduce the size and impact of the state as opposed to like who's sitting on what chair, you know, or who's heading what committee, I think that would serve us a lot better. So we keep our powder dry for where it matters. And that's for the state that's outwardly focused. It's one of the reasons why I love being a candidate. I actually don't have to deal with that internal stuff. My whole uh, purpose of what I'm doing is to communicate our values outside of our echo chamber, outside of our sphere and bring new people in. But I wanna make sure as we're bringing new people in in the 2024 cycle, that they have a home that is organized, well-run and is not devolving into infighting. So we need to we need to make sure that we have a party that's ready for those people. Cause we're gonna bring in, I'm telling you right now, if I'm their nominee, we're gonna bring in some millions of new people into the Liberty Movement. And I wanna make sure that the Libertarian Party is a home they can fall to. 
that is the time where you should tell people where they can go to support your campaign or follow what you're doing. Yeah, if you want to support my campaign, you can uh, go and become a donor supporter or a volunteer supporter. We got hundreds of those all over the country at votechaseoliver.com. Uh, it's got a great site for a lot of information. Looks great. But yeah, votechaseoliver.com is my website. And if you want to find me on social media, follow me at Chase for Liberty. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, Threads, TikTok, all of it. So uh, at Chase for Liberty. Awesome. Chase, thank you so much. Thank you.